and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my free training, The Three Legal and Tax Mistakes Made by New and Experienced Business Owners and How You Can Avoid Them. Here's the thing. There's a few key things we've all got to do to make sure we unfuck our biz. I've seen all the mistakes and I know how to help you get past them. So here's what I want you to do. Go to www.unfuckyourbiz.com, sign up for the free training, watch it, and do at least one of the homework assignments I share in the masterclass. Promise? Okay, now let's dive into the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. As always, this is your host, Braden. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about force majeure clauses. So specifically, I'm going to discuss the basics behind force majeure clauses, how they operate, and how to consider them within the context of the rest of your contract. So the reason I decided to do this topic, it's probably relatively obvious for many of you, especially if you're in the event industry, but as we all know, uh, we've been dealing now with coronavirus for over a month. We've been in quarantine, and this is greatly impacting the event industry in particular, as well as some other industries. So we've had a lot of questions regarding contract cancellations, force majeure events, and all of these certain nuances that really, frankly, we've never had to deal with before. So I wanted to do this short episode to really just explain what a force majeure clause is and how it works. So up until this point, um, at the time I'm recording this podcast, I've done about 10 one-on-one client strategy sessions helping them with contracts and their force majeure clauses, cancellations, and substitutions. I've also done around five webinars on the topic. So I've talked to a lot of people who are being impacted by coronavirus, specifically with regard to contract cancellations. So I wanted to really just dissect um, that information down to like a five-minute conversation here on the podcast, starting with the force majeure clause. Where I'm seeing a lot of people getting confused is understanding the purpose behind a force majeure clause and what it actually does. So if you're not familiar, a force majeure clause is essentially going to say under certain circumstances, certain acts of God that are typically defined within the provision, what will happen if those events occur and it is not possible for you to perform your services. This is where it does get difficult to give any general guidance on force majeure clauses because everyone's force majeure clause, if they have one in their contract, is going to say something different. So some of the force majeure clauses will say that you're only excused if it's impossible to perform due to an act of God, natural disaster, and it will spell out a line of events. Some of them will say if either party's been substantially impacted, something like that, that's a little bit more difficult to define. And then also we have to look at what events are considered a quote unquote force majeure event under your contract. And one of the difficulties, especially with coronavirus, has been that 
most force majeure clauses and most contracts out there do not specifically mention pandemics and epidemics. So are they even covered? Yes or no. Our next question is, if they are covered by a force majeure clause, what does that actually mean? And this is where the bulk of the confusion really lies. So I've talked to a lot of clients who say, a lot of my clients, so a lot of event professionals who are coming to me and saying, well, my client has sent me an email and said, because this is a force majeure event and we can't perform, I owe them a full refund. But that is not actually how force majeure clauses work, which is good news for you service professionals out there. What a force majeure clause really does is it protects you from a breach of contract claim or protects your client from a breach of contract claim if it's a bilateral provision in the case that there is a force majeure event. So I'm gonna give you uh, an example that will make this a little bit more clear. So a couple months ago, there were some large storms in Tennessee, some uh, tornado storms. So let's assume that you own a wedding venue that has been decimated by the storm and you have a client who wants to sue you under the force majeure clause for breach of contract because they contracted to have their wedding in your venue. You can no longer provide that service and therefore they wanna come after you for all these different damages, including what they paid you, but also including amounts that they paid to all their other venue vendors because now they have to reschedule their wedding. So that would be a standard breach of contract claim, whether it's reasonable is, is kind of a different story. But if you had a force majeure provision, you would enact it and say, you cannot sue me for breach of contract because it's impossible for me to perform due to the fact that this tornado decimated our venue that we contracted to have it in. That's how the force majeure clause typically acts. What it doesn't do is specify what you have to do with regard to refunds. So in that context, does the venue need to give a full refund? We don't know. That's determined based on the rest of the contract. So that's how a force majeure clause works. So if anyone is coming to you and saying, this is a force majeure event, you have to give me a full refund, they're probably blowing smoke to be perfectly honest, or they have a misunderstanding of how that clause works. After the force majeure clause, we look to the cancellation language in your contract, the refund language, all of that sort of stuff and what it specifies. So I'm not gonna get too into the weeds here because A, uh, I'm not a litigation attorney, so I don't deal with contracts in court. I've not done a ton of case research specifically on what's allowed under various contracts. And B, it would be doing a disservice to you likely if we went down that road because every state has different contract laws. What I do wanna highlight though, is if anyone is saying that you have to give a full refund, they probably, like I said earlier, are blowing smoke um, because that's just a general blanket statement. And B, a lot of this is gonna be determined on a case-by-case -case basis. So there are some defenses or some arguments that one of your clients, assuming you're an industry professional, your clients could make requesting a refund of some or all of the payments. So there's a concept called unjust enrichment, kind of complicated, we won't go too deep into it. But basically, if they paid you the full balance of the contract and you never end up provide any providing any services, they could claim that you were unjustly enriched because you earn compensation for services not rendered. 
There are requirements you have to meet for that. Uh, again, we won't get too into the weeds. There are some other legal arguments made as well. So what I always recommend thinking about is, you know, A, you have to balance the business decision along with your legal rights and responsibilities. Just because you can legally hold on to money doesn't make it a great idea. At the same time, you can't be giving everyone blanket refunds or you're not, like your business won't survive this. That's just a reality. So consider especially what work you have done. And this is where I distinguish between, for example, like a wedding planner and a wedding photographer. If you're canceling 30 days before the event, the reality is as a wedding planner, you've probably already done 90% of the work under the contract. And therefore, in my mind, and I think most people would agree with me, you're entitled to 90% of the compensation. As a wedding photographer, the bulk of the work is done shooting the wedding day and then doing the editing on the back end. So you have not provided a lot of the services. In which case, it's probably okay to keep the retainer, but you might end up needing to refund uh, some of the other money paid by your client if they've already paid you. Of course, we wanna reschedule and not cancel. That's kind of a different topic. Here, we're more just talking about the cancellation in general. So like I mentioned for the planner, if you've already done a lot of the work and you end up having to reschedule the wedding, in reality, I mean, it's fair for you to seek that money again. What I've been telling a lot of my clients and students and my courses and members in my membership is just to think, this is an interesting concept to think about, is that clients who are having a wedding, in their mind, it's like they're paying for an event. They're paying almost for a product. They're paying for their wedding day. Like that's a one-time occurrence. They don't really think of what they're paying you for as a service, if that makes sense. So compare and contrast it to like monthly social media management services. Like you're doing work on a monthly service, but unlike that social media manager, in the client's mind, the wedding couple, they're not really paying for your services on a day-to-day -day basis. They're like paying for their wedding, which in reality is not really the case. The reason why I kind of bring this up is so we can put, put ourselves in their shoes and then help explain to them, well, you're not really paying for a wedding day when you hire me, you're paying for all the services I perform. So I understand that it's very upsetting uh, if we end up having to reschedule and you have to pay more money due to this expense, but if I've done the work, I deserve to be compensated for it. So that's all I really have for this episode. Um, I hope it helped a little bit. I know that you're not gonna walk away feeling crystal clear about your contract because again, it is a very case by case situation, but I wanted to provide a little bit more context specifically around force majeure clauses. Also to mention to you all, if you are interested, I do sell contract templates on my website. Uh, they've all have either been updated or are in the process of being updated with new force majeure language, substitution and cancellation language. And the way I operate my contract template store is anytime I make a substantive change to the templates, I send the new template to anyone that's purchased in the past. So they're always being updated, they'll be sent out to you. So if you're interested, go check it out. It's at bradendrake.com. You just click on contracts in the top there and it will take you right there. So if you have any follow-up questions, I would love to start a dialogue inside of the Facebook group. You can join Braden's Besties on Facebook and come hang out with us. That's all I have for this episode. I hope you enjoyed and I will be uh, back in your podcast app on Thursday. Have a good day.
Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.